Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Tuesday and happy February, everyone. This is Dr. Lauren Noel, and you are listening to Dr. Low Radio. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a naturopathic doctor practicing in San Diego, California. I have a fantastic show lined up for you tonight. I think you're going to really enjoy it. We have a wonderful guest joining us who I will introduce in a minute. But first, I want to uh, fill you in on an exciting moment I had today. I had a jaw-dropping moment about an hour ago when I was checking out the stats for the show, and just last week, I, I, I noticed that my show is number 30 out of over 900 shows, which I thought was amazing after just two segments. And today, I checked it out, and I'm number six, which is really incredible. So I'm really, really excited, feeling really happy about the show. And I'm just excited that I can bring to you such important health topics and such amazing doctors who are using natural medicine very effectively in their practices. My goal for this show is to highlight experts in natural medicine and holistic medicine who are changing the way that medicine is practiced. And many people don't know the options that they have when it comes to their health. You know, they think that all they have is conventional medicine to turn to, and it's just not the case. While conventional medicine absolutely has its place, in my personal opinion, when it comes to preventing disease and treating chronic uh, conditions, it really naturopathic medicine really shines. So my goal is to, with my patients, find the cause of disease and promote health rather than just treating symptoms. And that's really what made me fall in love with this medicine is the philosophy. So, again, thank you so much for your support and listening to this show. It means the world to me. Before I introduce our special guest tonight, I would like to have you save a couple dates on your calendar. Next week I will be interviewing the authors of The Metabolic Effect, Drs. Jade and Keone Tita, They are two naturopathic doctors who are brothers out in North Carolina. They specialize in exercise and fat loss. So we will be discussing how to spend less time in the gym, lose more weight, and actually lose weight while you rest. So definitely tune in for that. And the week just after that, that's two weeks from tonight, I'll be interviewing Dr. John Neustadt, and the show will be all about bone health and osteoporosis. And you'll learn how to prevent and treat osteoporosis naturally and it's a lot more than just about calcium, so definitely tune into that. I wanted to apologize for last week's show. We had a couple of callers who wanted to ask questions, and I was just still learning how to operate the switchboard, so I wasn't able to bring them on the line, so I apologize for that. If you would like to call in and ask a question, definitely do so. There are no dumb questions, and anything is fair game. The number to call in is 818-495-6919, and to ask a question, you just press 1. So now for tonight's show, the topic is men's health. How can a man achieve optimal health naturally? About our guest, this doctor is widely known in the naturopathic community. He's a frequent lecturer at the annual conventions and author of numerous books. He actually wrote the board exams review books for naturopathic students to study before taking their board exams. So basically he wrote a summary of everything we learned in school. So that's just a clue of how smart he is. He specializes in men's health as well as urology and kidney disorders for both men and women. Our our guest tonight is Dr. Eric Yarnell. Dr. Yarnell graduated from Bastyr University in 1996. He completed a two-year residency with Dr. Selena Heron in Arizona in family health care and herbal medicine. 
He's now a professor at Bastyr University where he trains students in urology and men's health. He was awarded a research grant by the National Institutes of Health where his focus has been on men with prostate cancer. He's now a physician at the Bastyr Integrative Oncology Research Center and works with patients with prostate, bladder, and kidney cancer. He's published numerous articles and textbooks in urology and, and related fields, and his most recent text is Clinical Botanical Medicine. He's also the author of Naturopathic Urology and Men's Health, which is the only textbook of its kind, and he's a lecturer, he's a lecturer from around the world, so whew, it's a beefy bio. I like that. So I'll go ahead and bring Dr. Yarnell on the line. One second. Dr. Yarnell, are you there? I'm here. Great. Thank you so much for joining me. It's great to have you. Absolutely. And no, I don't sleep. I just work. Yeah, it sounds like it. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't specialize in sleep, so it's all good. No, no, that's right. So, Dr. Yarnell, what got you into naturopathic medicine, especially with the uh, specialty that you have? Well, um, I was, had always kind of been interested in health and became a vegetarian fairly young uh, when I was 15 and didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I accidentally went into Bastyr University in Seattle to ask for directions. And I met the director of admissions, and he told me all about it. And I was like, this is perfect. And then when I got into school, uh, I was a little bit shocked at how little information there was about men's health and how little that was considered which I'd already sort of known about conventional medicine, so I sort of made it a crusade to to change that and to improve the information and the amount you know that was available to us. So, absolutely, and and coming, you know, I just graduated last year, and I, I just really appreciate the work that you've done for our field. It's just been really amazing. I mean, a lot of the textbooks I read are the ones that you've written, so I'm very appreciative. So, thank you very much for that. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So. So your practice is largely related to men's health, very focused on men's health. What are some of the common conditions that you see in your office around men's health? Oh, no question. It's um, prostate conditions are the most common, um, but pretty closely followed by, oh, sort of a combination of effects of aging and this thing people are now calling andropause, Mm -hmm. as well as erectile dysfunction, all very common. So in terms of, um, we can just go ahead and dive into each of those. So prostate, um, what is your approach regarding prostate health, and how is that different from um, most doctors? Well, I think the most critical thing is something you actually talked about in your introduction, which is that we actually talk about prevention. You know, it just, it doesn't even come up ever in conventional medicine. Uh, So I actually... My ideal patient is someone who doesn't have any symptoms yet and they want to prevent them. You know, I just I wish I got to see and hear more people. So I'm excited to do this show tonight just for nothing else to be able to get some ideas out there about how to prevent these things from happening. And interestingly, I think the big culprit for men for a lot of prostate problems is actually too much estrogen. And that doesn't mean from your wife or your girlfriend or something like that, but... <laughs> Um, as maybe has been discussed on your show or has come up in other places, people, there are lots and lots of chemicals that humans have created that act like estrogen even though they don't look like estrogen. And these are having quite a negative effect on men's health. And in particular, there's more and more evidence showing that that is one of the reasons prostate cancer is becoming more and more common 
Uh, however, there's also just pretty good evidence that, you know, eating a poor diet with lots of sugar and fast food and fried foods and not exercising also basically promotes prostate cancer. So a lot of the things we talk about in naturopathic medicine as a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle, here's yet another reason to do it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned these... Um this, this estrogen exposure, where where can men be exposed um, to estrogen? Where, where are they getting this exposure? Oh, my goodness. It's kind of everywhere, which is part of the problem. But all plastics have chemicals in them that act like estrogen. And particularly bad, and of late there's been more information about these, are these compounds called phthalides, one of those funny P-H-T-H words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's sort of a mounting campaign to get those banned because there's such a problem. But there's also a number of pesticides that act like estrogen, so you can get that through your food as well as it drifting through the air when people spray it onto the crops. Um, and there's also a, a number of different kinds of chemicals that are used as flame retardants in clothing and furniture and I just heard a report yesterday on the radio in which they, you know, are finding just astronomical levels of these chemicals in children because they're in all their clothes because they don't want, you know, kids to catch on fire, obviously, but at what cost? Mm -hmm. So it's really everywhere. And I particularly mentioned some things like the pesticides in the air and whatnot because I have patients who, you know, have very healthy lives. They've eaten well. They eat organic. They, you know have done everything right and they still get prostate cancer and they're often just really upset. It's like, what? why am I getting this? I did everything right. And I'm like, well, part of it is the world you live in. You can't escape some of these chemicals. And that brings it all back around to the, the political nature of healthcare that we we can't solve all these problems purely in our own lifestyles. We have to be politically active. We have to demand that these chemicals be regulated and tested uh, and eliminated or made you know illegal if they're actually causing disease like this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and once a person does have this <clears throat> buildup of these estrogens in their body, what can they do to help clear them? Well, one of the most important things is to listen to your show next week because getting the fat out of your body is just a critical critical part of it. Um, the all these chemicals are are fat soluble, so they get stored in the fat in your body. So the more fat you have, the more estrogen you're going to build up. And it also your own body does make some estrogen, and that a lot of that happens in the fat tissue in in the body. So that's important. But uh, just sweating more, which is kind of a taboo thing in our society. You're not supposed to ever sweat, and that's gross or whatever. But it's it's a really good way to remove these chemicals pretty safely from the body. And then beyond that, it starts to become something you really need, you know, to consult with a naturopathic doctor or someone who knows how to do detoxification because it's, you know, gets pretty tricky. And there's a number of herbal things that can be done and some supplements that can help. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I want to go into um, the health of the prostate a little bit. So first off, what's the function of a prostate gland? Well, it primarily is to produce a large portion of the semen, which is the nourishing fluid to help keep the you know the sperm alive and and happy. But a little less known function of it is that it also acts like a valve, and basically it prevents both the 
uh, semen as well as urine from going backwards in the system. It helps to push those out. And it does that because there's quite a bit of muscle tissue in the prostate. It's actually not like your your muscles you lift weights with, but a type of muscle we call smooth muscle. And so uh, that can become very relevant in the condition that's um, often called BPH or benign prostatic hyperplasia where the prostate gets bigger not because of cancer. And a lot of people don't realize that many times what's happening is that more and more of that muscle tissue is growing and it starts to basically cramp. And that causes a lot of the symptoms. And that cramping is very amenable to herbal treatments uh, if the right herbs are used. And that's part of another thing, which is um, there's a lot more than saw palmetto to to helping with the prostate. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. so those are the two major functions. Okay, so how can a man find out how healthy his prostate is? And when should he start looking into that? Uh, Well, I would say... I'm going to say two parts that answer. One is that it's, um, you know, really it has to start in childhood. Uh, It has to start with healthy diet and these other, you know, exercise and maybe the form of play or exercise much earlier in life. But certainly when men start getting into their 30s is when I think they should really for sure be thinking about it. I definitely have patients in their 30s who start to get urinary tract symptoms and definitely in their 40s. So, a lot of times it's men think when they turn 50 is when they should first get a prostate exam, but I think for most men it should be when they're 40. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have to have it every year, and that's not just checking for cancer. That's checking for enlargement of the prostate, because um, if you wait till you're 50, a lot of times it's already too late. It's grown significantly larger than you'd like it to be, and, and it gets harder and harder to treat that. Now, what about for men who uh, have a family history of prostate cancer, or what about uh, different ethnicities? Does that change that number or that age? Yeah, certainly if someone has a first-degree relative, which means a brother or a father um, or a son, and that would be pretty unusual circumstance, who had (laughs) prostate cancer, um, that's, you know, certainly a greater risk. Or if they also had an enlarged prostate, especially if it started when they were younger than particularly eh, probably age 50. That's very concerning. And also we know men who are African-American are at greater risk of getting prostate cancer. Um, so that brings up the, the PSA test, which is you know another part of what I think most people know in terms of checking on their prostate health. And I'm pretty anti-PSA. The, there's been a lot of talk about this test because a couple of very large studies of it came out recently and uh, so far there's been really four some people say six but two of them are shorter studies that have looked at whether the PSA actually helps men live longer meaning you detect the prostate cancer earlier and the treatment helps and you live longer and the answer is a pretty resounding no it just doesn't work And there's a lot of reasons for that, but I'm at the point of saying most men should not get a PSA test. Uh, There's too many other conditions that cause it to rise, and then that leads to all kinds of unnecessary treatment and testing. And so, unfortunately, we don't have a really good established screening test for prostate cancer. 
Um, but I would, first of all, again, reiterate that screening for cancer is too late. You're basically waiting for cancer to form. What we need is prevention of cancer, which is, goes back to diet and exercise, and, you know, we just have to keep pounding on that. But for screening, especially with men with these higher risks, you know, if they have a, a relative or a, they're African-American uh, who had prostate cancer, then uh, I'm actually recommending a, year, a urine test. It's called the PCA3, which stands for Prostate Cancer Antigen 3. And that is something that does require a prostate exam, and then a urine specimen is taken after that. And people can should be able to get that, certainly from their naturopathic doctor, and, and some conventional doctors are doing it too. What's nice about that test, again, is it is not affected by other prostate diseases like prostatitis or an enlarged prostate. It only detects cancer. So that's that has some promise. And do you think that all men should get that done or just men with a family history and For sure, men with those higher risks. Um, and, you know, probably starting when they're 45. Who knows the right age exactly. Uh, for other men, I'm not completely convinced that we should test everyone. If So at this point, if they really have had a very healthy lifestyle, they don't have any risks, I tend to say let's not test because there really is very little you know, evidence that's helpful at this point. But if, if a patient wants to or they're concerned, then I'll do it. But no, I would not say we, we should test everyone. Okay. Now in terms of prostate exams, um, how effective are they? What 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 can they find and what can they not find? Um, what they're certainly helpful for is to detect if the prostate has gotten, you know, very large to the point of, of great concern. Uh, they're, you know, and it's not basically good at detecting subtle things. So early enlargement of the prostate, you can't feel that, and very small cancers can't be felt. Uh, it can help sometimes tell if there's prostatitis if it's actually painful to have the exam. It, you know, it's, the exam is always uncomfortable, but I'm talking about actual pain when the prostate is pressed. So it tells us about a lot of conditions and not perfectly for any of them. You know, it's certainly only one piece of the puzzle, but really by the time it's gotten to the point um, that there's significant disease, usually people have symptoms too, and that's the most important thing that we look at in terms of changes in urination uh, or pain in the pelvis or related to urination or ejaculation. Uh, these would all be reasons certainly to seek out, you know, medical care. Okay. Now getting to uh, just specific conditions of the prostate. So you mentioned BPH, and what is that exactly? <clears throat> so that's actually when the cells in the prostate are, they're not cancer, but they start dividing too much. They're They're overgrowing. And this, you know, as we said, causes the prostate to get bigger. And there really are sort of two completely different forms of it. And one of them would be the form in which these muscle cells overgrow that I mentioned. And the other one is when basically the other type of cells that actually make the semen overgrow. And when, and sometimes it can be both. That's certainly possible. But the... Uh, symptoms of this are pretty well known, which is that it starts to become difficult to stop or start the urine stream. Uh, also, the stream tends to get weaker. And then even more common than those would be getting up at night to urinate frequently or during the day to have frequent urination and sometimes urgent urination. 
And when we have that um, sort of uh, muscle type of the BPH, uh, herbs are very, very effective for managing the symptoms and helping, you know, make things more comfortable when we work on the diet and lifestyle issues. And the other one where the cells that make the semen overgrow is a little bit trickier. But this is a very, very common condition, and we do actually see it in pretty much all men as they age, but not all men get symptoms, and that's been a little bit mysterious. Um, but we know, particularly interestingly from studies in China, that uh, men in China got enlarged prostates even when they were eating traditional diets, um, but they didn't get symptoms so much. And now that they're rapidly westernizing and eating more and more American food, um, that we're starting to see lots and lots of symptoms. So clearly there's some problem with Western lifestyle that sort of pushes it over the edge. Mm-hmm. And so once a man does have VPH, um, what can he be, what can he do naturally to halt that or possibly reverse it? So most important thing probably is fat loss and eating organic food. Um, Those are not very quick effects on it, but they are so important for actually treating some of the causes. Um, And then beyond that, well-known supplement is saw palmetto, the herb that mostly comes from Florida. That is also a relatively slow-acting Medicine. So one thing I want to say about if men are using saw palmetto is that they need to give it a good three to six months time period to really know if it's working. Um, but there's many other kinds of herbs that are not so widely known or available. Um, I'm going to mention one which is somewhat well known, which is kava. Uh, most people know that as a treatment for anxiety, but it actually can be quite helpful uh, for basically relaxing those muscle cells. Uh, so... And then there's a number of other more exotic herbs that we use, um, and, and that would be time to really see a naturopath to, to get into some of those. But uh, pumpkin seeds and pumpkin seed oil do have some benefit. Again, it's very slow to work. It can take months, so it, you really have to kind of hang in there with those treatments. Um, if the prostate is actually bigger than 50, uh, basically, grams in size, uh, which is, again, something we can somewhat tell on a prostate exam or else getting an ultrasound is the ultimate way to know. Uh, I have found that our natural treatments do not work that well, and there is actually kind of a medication that needs to be used to shrink it down to the point the herbs and things will work. But uh, one supplement I want to recommend against is is the use of zinc for an enlarged prostate. I know this is a very popular treatment. It's in every supplement mix for BPH or enlarged prostate, and there really is absolutely no evidence it works whatsoever. There's there's one rat study, and that's about it. So I really think that's a waste of time. Um, you're much mm-hmm. better off with the saw palmetto, nettle root, pumpkin seed sorts of treatments. That's interesting because I was thinking that pumpkin that zinc, you know, works with the five alpha reductase and prevents that conversion to DHT. But you're but you're finding with patients it doesn't actually work. Yeah, I'm thoroughly unimpressed. So I say save your money. There's better There's better treatments. Oh, good to know. <laughs> um, all right, on to cancer, prostate cancer. Um, so your approach to, to prostate cancer is, um, is what? How is it different from conventional medicine? <clears throat> uh, 
Oh, wow. Well, um, this is really a huge topic. Um, there is this, ever since the PSA test came out in conventional medicine, it's been a very much a kind of factory approach where you then get a biopsy and then there's either radiation treatment or the prostate is removed surgically, a prostatectomy, and you know that's it you're just there's just sort of no question about it but more and more people are raising the point and that includes medical professionals not just naturopathic doctors but urologists and oncologists saying we're not actually really seeing the death rate from prostate cancer go down that much even though we've tripled the number of biopsies we're doing and the number of prostates we're removing we're only seeing a small percentage improvement in the death rate so why aren't we basically preventing all prostate cancer? And so right now it looks like about 80% of prostate cancer is essentially not harmful. It's just we have a test that can detect it, which is the PSA test. But if we never did anything, it, would, we wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt you. It wouldn't go anywhere. It wouldn't do anything. So most men, especially if they get a biopsy and it looks like a low-grade cancer, there's only a small amount of it, I really strongly recommend that they basically do a, you know, pretty intensive change in their diet to becoming, you know, closer to total vegetarian, uh, really, really exercising a lot, reducing their stress. And I've seen, in fact, I just had a patient today who pretty much did that, took a few supplements, and we saw his PSA drop from six to three in just six months. And so, again, he had a low-grade, localized cancer that wasn't very scary. So uh, now some men clearly, you know, die of prostate cancer. It's on the order of 30,000 men a year. And so sometimes the cancer is more aggressive, and then I do recommend surgery. And we do a lot of aggressive supplements to, you know, make that work the best possible. But the main thing is, you know, most patients are trying to keep them away from having unnecessary surgery. And I want to recommend a book that I didn't write, um, but it's a mm -hmm. wonderful book. It's written by a conventional uh, oncologist, and it's called Invasion of the Prostate Snatchers. And he just lays out the whole rationale, all the research, for, from a very readable perspective. It's meant for patients to really understand prostate cancer and why there's just been such a crazy overreaction to it. Hmm. Wow, that's that's really interesting to hear your take on it. It's just so anti the current paradigm of the way that prostate cancer is viewed, you know, yeah. very, very different from the way it's seen nowadays. So. Yeah, and you mentioned one of the studies that I'm involved in with prostate cancer where we're uh, we're not just trying to say this and, you know, it's easy to say something, but we're trying to prove this fact. So it's a five-year study. We're going to compare men who have all different kinds of prostate cancer to, and we're going to match them to men who don't have any naturopathic treatment compared to having just seeing a naturopath regardless of what treatment they do. And we're going to look at five years from now, you know, how many live, how many die, and what their quality of life is. So I'm really excited about this. We're doing it in conjunction with the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, which is one of the major uh, cancer research centers in the United States and the world. So um, it's a very exciting project. We've just gotten that underway, but we're going to really 
I hope, confirm that what we're doing is, is helpful and would save a lot of men from unnecessary treatment. That's great. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, share the number for callers to call in again. It's 818-495-6919. I actually have a caller from the 303, so I'm going to go ahead and take a call now. Hello, caller. Are you there? I'm here. What's your name? Where are you calling from? My name's Kim, and I'm from Denver, Colorado. Hi, Kim. What's your question for Dr. Yarnell? This kind of goes back to earlier. Um, what's the best way, in his male opinion, to to um, ask or to bring about questions about, you know, sexual dysfunction um, with your partner? Great in, question. In sure, sure. Um, and I'm also actually grew up in Denver, so great to hear from oh, you. Oh yeah, there. great. Um, well, it is a tricky area, but I I just think probably my main piece of advice is you just have to dive in. It's I know it can be embarrassing, it can be uncomfortable, but by just demonstrating you know a calm, reasoned approach, it can really help reduce some of the embarrassment and things. But I think there's too much taboo about discussing this. Um, right. And I think it, I think it's really best not to beat around the bush, just to get right to the questions and, you know, say it out of love, like I'm concerned, I've, I've noticed something or I'm concerned about something and then I just want to find out and I'm, you know, I, I want to help you, et cetera, but then just, yeah, really dive in and ask because I, I think so beating around the bush would, or hemming and hawing is not going to do it. Go ahead. So you would appreciate just the honesty take and, and your partner coming at you with complete honesty. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes guys just can be weird about it. So <laughs> I was wondering in a, in a male perspective how to approach that situation and that topic. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for your question. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. So we're definitely going to dive more into the um, <clears throat> sexual realm in a couple of minutes. Um, so that was a good intro for that. Um, anything else about prostate cancer that that you think we should touch on? Um, um, yeah, just that it's you know it's very treatable, it's very preventable. Um, don't just ignore it, and don't just if you are diagnosed, don't just assume you have to have surgery. Really seek out your options. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely different than what we're the story we're kind of being told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how about getting into prostatitis? Um, so what is that, and what can natural medicine offer for, for prostatitis? So prostatitis is inflammation in the prostate, and it's actually astonishingly common. It, this is one of those conditions that I feel like is really something that um, is hugely underreported. No one talks about it, but it literally affects hundreds of thousands of men in the United States alone, and especially I'm talking about here chronic prostatitis. Uh, the symptoms are usually pain or discomfort in the pelvis, sometimes on urination, sometimes with ejaculation, and it's mainly been really misunderstood that it's an infection, but in most patients it is not an infection, and even though antibiotics can help relieve the symptoms, a lot of times that's not because the antibiotics are killing any bacteria. It's because 
the antibiotics are themselves also anti-inflammatories. And that's especially true with this drug called Cipro or Ciprofloxacin, which is sort of one of the main antibiotics that's used. Um, a lot of times it's nothing about bacteria. It's just helping reduce inflammation. So this is a really complicated one, but um, a lot of the times this problem actually starts with poor digestion and this syndrome we call leaky gut. Uh, where sort of the gut bacteria get out of whack. Uh, people start absorbing foods they shouldn't. They sort of have food allergies. Their immune system goes into overdrive. And for whatever reason, it attacks their prostate. Uh, sometimes it can that same scenario can lead to migraine headaches or arthritis, but in some men it seems to cause prostatitis. So the treatments are actually it's really strange. It's It's all these things for the digestive system, and we don't do a lot specifically for the prostate because that's just the symptom. It's not the actual cause of the problem. And there is research about this idea, even though it sounds kind of radical and most most of the time people have not heard anything about this. Um, and I do discuss that at length in my textbook that you mentioned, my urology textbook, because it just seems like we need to really get that information out there. So using um, some, <clears throat> some gut gut protocols and some anti-inflammatory, you're finding is really getting to success with prostate or prostatitis. Yeah, I've, I definitely patients I've had who I would consider cured. You know, they have no symptoms, they don't have to take supplements. It's always because we've basically figured out what foods they're reacting to. We've removed those foods. And we've done with them the probiotics and the glutamine and some of these other things to heal their guts. Uh, that doesn't always work. It's not 100%, but it's you know it's so much cheaper, easier, and safer than antibiotics every few months. Um, it just you know I think it's it's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. It always helps to start with the gut for sure. Um, yeah. All right, fertility. How fertile or infertile are men nowadays? Well, there's growing concern about fertility going down. Um, There's sort of conflicting information in the scientific research, um, but a number of studies are suggesting that sperm counts have fallen really dramatically. Uh, There was sort of an alarming report that came out about 15 years ago from Europe saying that they, from looking at sperm banks, they said average sperm counts had dropped by 50%. Now, some people have criticized that study because uh, men that donate sperm are not necessarily representative of the whole population, but there's been some other different kinds of studies that, that suggest this might actually be a really common phenomenon. So I'm I'm concerned about it. We know infertility is going up. It's almost always blamed on the woman, but it's like, wait a minute, did they even check the man? Right. And often the answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. What are some common stressors on a man's fertility? Well, basically, stress itself is a big one. Um, whether it's mm-hmm. mental, emotional, uh, or physical, that takes a toll. Basically, if your body is using its energy just to survive these stresses, it doesn't have a lot extra left over to make sperm. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. But there's also been a lot of uh, concern again about these sort of environmental estrogens. Uh, there's a few r- reports suggesting that some of these pesticides and things can also lower sperm counts, and that's really a grave concern. 
there was a book that came out about that a few years ago called Our Stolen Future, mm-hmm. and that sort of detailed some of the, the research at that time. And as far as I know, it hasn't really been addressed. It just continues to, to get worse. Mm-hmm. So when you have a man coming to you, let's say you have a couple coming to you and they they want to focus on fertility, um, what are some things that you will suggest uh, for the man who wants to increase his fertility potential in conceiving? Yeah, well, of course we have to get a, a semen analysis, and they usually have done that um, because besides just the number of sperm being an issue, there's also how functional they are, how well they can swim basically, and they can see that when they do their analysis of the semen. Um, and so there's a lot of things we can do. Again, uh, the most critical stuff is, is diet and lifestyle and just making sure they're eating really well, lots of vegetables, eating organic foods, trying to stay away from foods that are wrapped in plastic so that there's less exposure to these chemicals. And then we start getting into some specific herbs and things to try to promote that. But one category, though, that's super helpful, we call adaptogens. These are herbs that help our bodies deal with stress. They help our immune systems operate properly. And these have been extensively, well, I don't know extensively, there have been several studies looking at their effects on both sperm function and number. And one I'll mention is a Chinese herb that's called astragalus. It's a very, very safe herb. Uh, it doesn't even taste that bad for once. It's kind of got a nice sweet flavor. Mm-hmm. And there's some really pretty interesting information about that that helping with fertility. Hmm. That's great. Yeah, I don't think astragalus tastes so bad. I was taking my Vitex today, and I was like, there's got to be a better tasting herb. It's <laughs> <This is> bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So going back to uh, the question, I think your name was Kim from uh, San Diego, or excuse me, from Denver, um, talking about um, erectile dysfunction. And um, what are some common reasons for men to have erectile dysfunction? I'm so glad you asked that. And the way you asked it was just so important because um, erectile dysfunction is a symptom. It's not a disease. Then that's always should be the question is why is this happening? What is causing this? It doesn't just happen for no reason. And it's you know there's many, many reasons now that we know. A lot of times it's either because of what we call atherosclerosis, which is hardening of the arteries, and that's really famous as a cause of heart attacks and strokes and things, but it also affects blood vessels everywhere, including in the penis. And also diabetes, it turns out, this is, now that they've actually looked, because no one ever even asked before, this is becoming clear that this is often the first symptom of diabetes. And it's because diabetes so strongly affects the blood vessels. Uh, now, the, And the artery that brings the blood to the penis is a tiny little artery, but it has to do a lot of work. So if it gets even just a little bit compromised, a little bit blocked, you notice it right away. You know, it's very obvious. So actually, erectile dysfunction is a very serious symptom. Uh, It means you need to get your cardiovascular system checked out. You need to see a doctor, and you need to be tested for diabetes. Um, And all that's reversible. All that's completely reversible, just with lifestyle stuff in most cases. And sometimes we need to use supplements or medications. But So the good news is to definitely talk about it, see a doctor, see a naturopathic doctor, and get a full workout because we have to know why. 
I'd also mention, of course, it can be caused by lots of other things, including different nerve problems. So this could be a sign that someone has developed multiple sclerosis. Or sometimes it's hormonal problems where there's not enough testosterone or there's actually a problem in the brain sending a signal uh, that to make testosterone. So it really, really does require going to the doctor and uh, for both men and women out there, it's just imperative we we have this information that we talk about it and not just, you know, be embarrassed about it because it's an important symptom and, and it needs to be investigated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, men who are younger in their 30s or even their late 20s, I mean, I was seeing patients at the clinic at NCNM who, who were experiencing this and were so incredibly embarrassed about it, but little do they know that it's really not uncommon. That's right. That's right, and it's it is nothing to be embarrassed about. It's it's actually a useful thing that it's happening and telling you early that there's a problem, so you can change it and prevent the much more dangerous side effects of you know a heart attack or something that could really kill you. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I and I know that's easy for me to say, but it's true. We, we've just got to get kind of past this this fear and embarrassment reaction and and right. address it's it. It's just another clue that the body is giving out just useful information, like you said. Um, How often do you see this being a mental-emotional issue, um, mainly? Oh, well, it's always and partly a mental-emotional issue because it does have such an impact on men's self-esteem and things. But um, I think it's pretty uncommon that it's purely psychological or purely emotional. There's frequently a component of that, but just purely psychological I, I i personally i don't see that in my patients very often i i'm actually having a hard time thinking of more than one or two people that i thought that was the case but that being said it's you know it does open up the the dialogue that needs to happen about relationship and uh you know anyone that's a sexual partner that needs to be part of of the discussion is you know how are we doing emotionally and and what are the other aspects mhm I want to take a couple of Facebook questions here. Um, let's see. This one is from Sarah. She's out in the UK. Um, she says, uh, do men need to replace declining levels of progesterone and DHEA as they age? If so, when should they start and what are the best sources? What do you think about that? I'm actually, I think, a little bit of a radical in our profession because I'm I'm pretty anti-hormone therapy. Um uh, and I look back to what happened with the uh, the whole situation with estrogen in women. You know, we went through this just decades-long process of how, um, you know, women were told to supplement with estrogen as they got older, and this was going to be the fountain of youth, and it was going to prevent all these diseases, and it was just a catastrophe. I mean, we have, now we know that caused untold numbers of women to get breast cancer, and uterine cancer, that it actually increased their heart disease. You know, it's just been an unmitigated disaster. Now, some people would say that's because they were using um, basically the wrong estrogens. I don't know. I'm I'm still skeptical. So, no, I do not rush in to replace hormones. What I think that's really a sign of is unhealthy aging, that there has not been a good diet, that there has not been enough exercise. So my approach is actually to go in and try to help them lose the fat, to help them trim down, build their muscle, eat well. And I see that raising hormones far more safely and effectively than any kind of any replacement. So 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I okay. typically would say no. Now, the the exception would be if the hormone levels stay down despite, you know, fixing all those things. If they're just not getting better, then I will sometimes replace hormones. But I keep trying to take them off and I keep checking to make sure it's actually working because not even that always works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there can be the... Uh you know, receptor downregulation where they become, you know, numbed to the hormones after a while. So it's important to get to the cause of the condition rather than just, again, treating a lab or treating the symptoms. Um, All right, let's get to another question. So this is by uh, Jackie out in Colorado, and she says, does sexual activity prevent prostate cancer, or is this just what happens when a man goes through the aging process? And then it also is your dietary... Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, say that, say that last uh, part again. The rest is, is there dietary solutions to prevent prostate cancer? That's a couple couple questions. Yeah. Um, I get to ask this question a lot, and there really is no answer. There's been just the tiniest bit of research on it, and we just don't know. Um, so I, I really can't answer mm-hmm. in terms of whether sexual activity and ejaculation, you know, prevent prostate cancer. Um there is definitely a huge amount that could be done dietarily to prevent it. And the critical things are eat lots of vegetables, uh, eat organic, eat you know, eat fruit and try to stay away from the really, really sweet fruit, but berries, apples, pears are, you know, generally good ones, citrus, um, to cut back on animal products and to be sure to eat organic if you do eat animal products. And but fish would be the exception. Um, to eat healthy, you know, clean fish uh, is very preventative. And then, actually, Brazil nuts. There's some reason to believe those may have somewhat of a preventative effect in other nuts. So, tons you can do to prevent it. Tons. Right. And then um, this is from Jennifer, um, and she's and this is actually a question I was curious about too. Um, she says, my husband uses his laptop a lot. Is it true that when using it on his lap that the heat from the computer can actually kill sperm? If so, do, men, do male sperm die at a lower temperature than female sperm? We have two daughters and I want a third girl. On a more serious note, would there be any danger of developing testicular cancer due to his computer on his lap a lot? So the first part of that is yes, heat does absolutely affect sperm. Um, they, you know, because obviously the testicles hang down and away from the body, that's because they need to be at a cooler temperature than, you know, basically the rest of the body. So the the testicles really should be, I believe, around 93 degrees Fahrenheit. And obviously we know our bodies are more like 98 to 99 degrees Fahrenheit. So a laptop can affect fertility. I often recommend that men use a... Uh, various kinds of lap, um, I don't know, sort of, I don't know what you call them. I never can think of the word. But Isn't there like a basically shield? Basically, you don't just have, yeah, yeah, they're sort of like a, a holder or a rest that holds the computer up away from you and has some air ventilation to blow the heat away, and that helps them. Um, I have no idea whether the heat affects different sperm with you know whether they're carrying the x or the y chromosome differently i would I would be very surprised if they did as far as I know there's not really any significant difference between those sperms, so unlikely and the last part of the question I just forgot. Uh, it's okay. Um, would there be any danger of developing testicular cancer due to the computer on his lap a lot? Oh, really good question. Um, I don't know for sure. 
there's some reports about electromagnetic radiation, you know, promoting some kinds of cancer. There's a little bit with leukemia suggesting that might be the case. Uh, so I don't know for sure. Um, I think if that's true, we're in big trouble because those same, basically, that same kind of radiation is coming from the electrical power lines in our houses and our walls. It's coming from our cell phones, from our television sets, or everything. You know, we're just bathed in that kind of radiation, which is you know electromagnetic. So uh, I don't know if it does, but if it if it does, the laptop may be the least of our concerns. Right, seriously, swimming in it. <laughs> I know. Okay, and this this question is from Gregory, and he wants to know: Can a herniated disc in the lumbar and sacrum region cause erectile dysfunction? Absolutely, absolutely, because then the the nerves from the spinal cord that go that allow erection to happen are basically coming at that point, and they can get compressed, and that can do it. Yeah, so that is another fairly uh, somewhat common cause. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then this one is from Ross. I'm just bombarding you with questions, but I know her. Great, bring it on. And towards the end of our time here, so this is from Ross, and he said. Um, Let's see. So I'm starting to, so I just turned 30. I'm starting to realize I need to eat better and exercise. Do you have recommendations for any particular health plans, including specific diets and exercise that would help a full-time teacher, student, husband, and father of three keep going strong and get stronger? Yeah, I mean, my my general recommendation is that people become more towards the vegetarian uh, side of things. And I don't necessarily think that means you have to completely give up eating meat. But And that's partly the the other issue here is the ecological part of this because it's just so much more resource intensive to grow animals for food. But anyway, so more fruits and vegetables, more nuts are critical. Um, and stop snacking. Just don't snack. Eat your meals and do not snack because that's just calories you don't need. It's almost always we're snacking because we're nervous, we're stressed, um, and it's just the worst thing we can do. Snack food is the worst invention ever in the history of the world. Uh, Also, you may notice I don't mention grains, but that's because that's not what, you you know, we call it vegetarianism, not grainitarianism, Mm -hmm. and that's because grains are actually fairly detrimental for most people's health. The fats they have in them are not healthy. Uh, They're bad for blood sugar. So um, it really should be fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, peas, And then fish, and if you're going to have animal products, organic meat of whatever kind, Mm -hmm. you know, organic eggs, that's fine. And then, you know, there's so much that has to be individualized to people, but those would be the broader categories. And then just regular exercise. You really have to pretty much every day you've got to exercise. And, in fact, what I'm doing right now while I'm talking on the phone is I'm pacing. That's not because I'm... Nervous or anxious, it's because I want to be exercising. Well, do some squats and do some push-ups and come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I, then, I have my dog again, here. Again, listen finally. to the show next week because the Tita's are really great. They have tons of really great specifics on on weight loss and maintaining healthy weight and and all that. Yeah, absolutely. And they they re- really bring it back to the way that cavemen used to do it, and it's totally blow the whole. You have to you know be on the treadmill for forty five minutes type of mentality they blow that out of the water so that's going to be really a good show um great all right i think i got through all my questions um so thanks to all those facebook questions thanks for the caller um let me make sure i didn't have another person on the switchboard looks like we were good anything else you want to mention dr here i know i kept you for a good amount of time here 
Oh, I'm happy to do it to get the, the word out here. Oh, um seemed like there was something else I wanted to say about prostatitis. What was I thinking? Oh, just that the one other thing I did want to mention about uh, chronic prostatitis is that um, many times men are just told they have it based on their symptoms and there's no testing done. There's no attempt to figure out why, and I really think that's a bad idea. Um, at the very least, they need to get a urine test to see if there is inflammation in their prostate, and sometimes you know, it's helpful to get an ultrasound. Um, but uh, And also, more and more, we're finding out that men also can have this condition called interstitial cystitis, which is basically inflammation of their urinary bladder, but not because it's an infection. And we used to think that only ever happened to women, and now that's just been blown out of the water, that we know that's actually fairly common in men, too. The treatment, from our perspective, is not that much different uh, for naturopathic doctors, but it's certainly, I think, important to know it's not always the prostate that's inflamed. So mm -hmm. that's just a little other tidbit there. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Where can uh, listeners l learn more about you? So my website is, uh, there's actually a couple ways, but the dryarnell.com website. And I also have chronicprostatitis.org where I have information about both of those. Um, yeah, those would be the main places. Great. Awesome. I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. It means a ton to me, and I know this is going to be a, a great topic for, for men to tune into. Lots of great information out there um, that they can they can access. So I really appreciate it again. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Have a great evening. You too. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show, everyone. It was great. I want to do just a little recap. This is something I want to do at the end of these shows is just mention a few of the key points that we talked about because it's a lot of information we go over, but um, just some good things to take away. And So, so looking at cancer prevention, um, making sure to have a lot of vegetables in your diet, eating organic, lots of antioxidants, and um, you know, if you are going to have animal products, which I am a fan of having, um, doing organic, you know, have, if you're going to have beef, having your grass-fed, organic chicken, um, fish, making sure it's wild fish and you're not getting all those toxins from the ocean in there. And um, also for cancer prevention is Brazil nuts. Nuts really high in selenium, very um, protective for the prostate. And as well as making sure to lose fat because, like Dr. Yarno mentioned, fat really holds on to that estrogen, which can be associated with the uh, increased risk of prostate cancer. So making sure getting rid of, getting rid of the fat is very, very important for cancer prevention. Um, wanted to also touch back on the erectile dysfunction. Um, erectile dysfunction is something that can be a sign of something deeper. So it can be a sign of atherosclerosis or diabetes. It's actually one of the first symptoms of diabetes. So if that's something that you're suffering from, make sure you check it out with your doctor because it could be a sign of something a little bit more serious. So make sure to get that checked out. Also could be a sign of different neurological problems like MS or underlying hormonal problems. So um, listen to your body and get it checked out by a doctor. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just something to um, look into. Um, let's see here. I'm going back to my notes. Also, avoiding plastics, very, very important. Those are associated with, um, you know, cancer formation of the prostate. So men, if you're drinking out of your plastic bottles all day long, definitely switch that to, like, a stainless steel or a glass container just to avoid that exposure. Um, 
and sweating is just a great way to clear out those toxins. So getting your exercise on and doing some some saunas and, um, you know, make sure to do some detox and, and, and seek out a naturopathic doctor. Check out this website. Go ahead and write this down. It's naturopathic. It's N-A-T-U-R-O. P-A-T-H-I-C, that's naturopathic.org. And that's a really great website where you can put in your zip code and find a naturopathic doctor in your area. Um, and these are these are doctors who are legit. They've gone to naturopathic school. They've taken their board exams um, because, you know, there are some naturopathic doc- people who say they're naturopathic doctors out there who haven't actually done that training. So it's important to know the difference um, when you're looking out, you know, look, look, getting different uh, options for your health care. So definitely check that out. Um, next week, like I mentioned, I'll be interviewing the Titas about uh, weight loss and fat loss, so check that out. And then the week after that will be the osteoporosis show of how to prevent and treat osteoporosis naturally. So definitely put that on your calendar as well. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, Dr. Low Radio, and I will check you next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.